Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Is forgiving others really important? Matthew 18.22 says, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. This answer from Jesus was in response to a question from Peter saying, How many times should I forgive my brother? And when he asked this question, Peter even offered up a pretty generous assessment of how many times he should forgive his brother. He asked if he should forgive him as many as seven times. Now you have to understand in the context of the day that Peter lived in, that Jesus lived in, the accepted amount to forgive your brother by rabbinical tradition was three times. In other words, if your brother sinned against you three times, you were to forgive him three times, and after the third time, you were no longer bound by a duty to forgive him. If he wronged you after that, his judgment was on his head, and you were not bound to forgive him. But in his time with Jesus, Peter has clearly come to understand that the teaching of Jesus held a much higher moral standard than the rabbinical teaching of the day. And so he more than doubles the number given by the rabbinical teaching. He goes to the number seven, which is a very important number in scripture. Obviously, there are seven days in a week. This is a foundational number. We find the number seven showing up wherever there's the idea of being holy or being complete. And so seven is an important number. And Peter goes to that number and says, should I forgive my brother seven times? But Jesus' response is so overwhelmingly stunning for the context which it appears in that it is something we really have to kind of look at and think about and ask some questions. Why did Jesus pick this number? Why did he express it in this way? And Jesus says not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations would have it 70 times seven, which would be 490 Now, why would Jesus pick such an outlandish number, such a large number? What was he actually saying? This verse is a verse that we hear actually quite a bit. If you've been around the church or you've grown up in Sunday school, then you've heard this verse a whole lot. But oftentimes we don't really talk about the implications of what it really means. How does this impact our life on a day-to-day? How does it impact the way we interact with our brothers and sisters from our family, but also the people who are around us in our church family or in our social circle or even the people who we interact with that are not necessarily part of our social circle but are in our lives on a regular basis? Are we to keep track of how many times we forgive those who wrong us? Perhaps if you're sort of pious, should you forgive people 77 times? And if you're really pious, should you forgive people 490 times? That cannot be what Jesus was saying, because it doesn't fit in with the basic underlying theme of his teaching, which is that those who would be right with God must be holy. 
If we are going to be truly holy, then we must start to think the way God thinks. We must start to see the world the way he sees the world. We must start to understand interactions between people and interactions between people and God the way God understands those interactions. Now, of course, we can never have the mind of God. But God has revealed to us in his word, and especially through the teachings of his son, Jesus Christ, a little glimpse of his holiness and what he expects from the hearts of people who are striving to be holy the way he is holy. And part of God's holiness, part of God's righteousness, part of God's perfection, and part of God's mercy is that he forgives those who wrong him. Even though he is a holy God, which means he cannot be in the presence of sin unless there is some sort of mitigating circumstance. And the mitigating circumstance that God has laid out is shed blood. And that is why the sacrificial system existed for all those years in Israel, because God could only be around a sinful people if the blood of animals was continually being shed to cover the sin of the people so that he could be in their presence without his righteousness and holiness and perfection breaking out against the people and destroying them. The blood acted as a sin covering. But now that Jesus has come and offered himself as the finished work, the one sacrifice that ended it all, that was satisfactory to God for all eternity, God can now fellowship with man on a more intimate basis because the blood of Jesus Christ has eternal power. It continually covers us. And through this sacrifice, there is no longer any sacrifice needed. And so God is able to freely grant forgiveness without the need of a blood offering to anyone who asks for it. And this is the beauty of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. And this is why it is so important that everyone, but especially those who are kingdom followers, must forgive. Those of us who are kingdom followers, who have laid our lives down before God, who have begged him for forgiveness, and who have found new life in the kingdom of Jesus— are required to forgive because we are also sinners. And if we were to refuse to forgive others, that would constitute hypocrisy. Because we are sinners, we have been forgiven by God and presumably forgiven by other believers. We must also forgive those who sin against us. Otherwise, we are not doing what we should. We are not practicing the forgiveness that God has given to us. We are not acting like God. We are not holy and righteous the way he is. Now, kingdom followers must also forgive because God forgives all those who genuinely ask him. So not only do we need to recognize that we're sinners, we then need to emulate God by forgiving the way he does. So when someone comes and wrongs us, we must not hold back from them. We must not make them do anything to satisfy us because we don't sit in the seat of God. See, God required a blood sacrifice because God is perfectly holy. That's why a blood sacrifice was essential for him to be able to extend mercy to sinners, to extend forgiveness to sinners. We, however, are not perfectly holy and we must forgive because we are sinners and because God has forgiven us. And so we have no right to withhold forgiveness from those who sin against us because we stand under the same judgment that they do before God as a sinner. Kingdom followers must also forgive because the opposite of forgiveness is bitterness and bitterness is a sin and kingdom followers must shun sin. 
So if kingdom followers refuse to forgive their brothers, refuse to forgive their sisters, then they will be guilty of the sin of bitterness against that other person. And that sin will take them out of a right relationship with God. Now, that is not to say that that person who is refusing to forgive, who is practicing bitterness, could not repent before God, forgive the person that has offended them, and restore themselves into a right relationship with God. But the point is that the sin of bitterness, the sin of refusing to forgive that other person, will break the relationship that they themselves have with God. It will set them in a position where they are not emulating Christ. They are not striving to be holy. And so as long as they're harboring that sin, it will put a crimp in their relationship with God. It will limit that relationship with God. It will put them under the chastisement or the discipline of God because he loves his children and he will make sure that he disciplines those who are actively sinning against him. Not to judge them or punish them, but to restore them to a right relationship. The same way a parent might punish a child who is behaving poorly, not to hurt that child, but to restore that child to proper behavior and a right relationship with their family. So God will often chastise or discipline the believer not to hurt them, not because their sin is not forgiven, but because he wants to change their heart and inform them that they are acting in a way that is not acceptable to him and restore them to a right relationship both with himself and with the body of the church here on earth. Kingdom followers must also forgive because they are specifically prohibited from passing personal judgment on others. Now, it's extremely important that you do not misunderstand this. This does not mean an authority figure passing judgment on someone who is under their authority who has done something wrong. This is the area of personal judgment. This is where individuals look at other individuals and pass judgment on those other people as if they were sitting in the position of God. This is something that is totally prohibited in Scripture. And so if we choose to not forgive, then we are passing a judgment on our fellow brothers and sisters and saying, I judge that your offense to me is too great to be forgiven. Now, if God himself forgives any and all who come to him, then what right do we have to sit in judgment over someone else, telling them that their sin is too great for us to forgive them? That is sin. That is the sin of passing judgment, and we are not supposed to do that. So we cannot hold forgiveness simply because we think that they need to pay a higher price or we think that they've offended us to a point that we can no longer or should not be required to extend them forgiveness any longer. And kingdom followers must also forgive in order to maintain unity within the body of Christ. Now, it is important that kingdom followers forgive everyone who offends them, believers and non-believers. That doesn't matter. But when it comes to believers who have wronged each other, kingdom followers must forgive each other. Otherwise, the body of Christ, which is the church, will be torn apart by disunity. Within the body, we're a family, and we have to forgive one another. Otherwise, what happens to a family? When you have a family that holds grudges against each other, they tear themselves apart. Family unity is destroyed. Family fellowship is no longer enjoyable. They are unable to share the deep experience of being part of a family together. Anyone who's had a family that has been fighting over a major holiday will understand this. 
where there is disunity, where there is not forgiveness of one another, it becomes impossible to enjoy fellowship with one another. We cannot have open, honest family fellowship together if there are undealt with sins that are hampering our ability to fellowship. If there are grudges, if there is bitterness going on in the family, it is impossible to have the kind of fellowship that God calls us to have when we come together to worship him. And so if we as kingdom followers do not forgive each other, then we will be unable to properly worship God. This is super important. Because worshiping God is one of the main ways we pour out thanks to God for what he has done for us. And all kingdom followers are required to worship God. All people are required to worship God. Because God has made us and he gives us life and he blesses us. And so the worship of God is not optional. The worship of God is commanded. And if we have disunity because we don't forgive one another, our worship of God is broken. In fact, Jesus teaches about this back in Matthew 5, and he essentially tells us as kingdom followers, if you have an issue with your brother, don't even come to worship. Don't worship me until you deal with that issue that you have with your brother. In Matthew 5.23, the words of Jesus are recorded like this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Essentially, this means that worship should not even be a thought on our minds if we have undealt with bitterness between us and someone else. We must be quick to forgive, and we must be quick to repent of the wrongs that we commit against other people, especially those who are also kingdom followers. And kingdom followers must forgive without limit. In other words, there is no limit to how many times our brother or sister sins against us that we must forgive them. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying, don't ever not forgive. Your heavenly father always forgives you, so you must always forgive everyone else. That's the way it works. You've been given eternal forgiveness. Now you must give eternal forgiveness. And forgiveness can be a really hard thing to do. Anyone who's ever had a serious wrong perpetrated against them knows that forgiveness can be an immense challenge. But not only are we to forgive one another, we are to forgive one another without end because God forgave us, and because if we do not forgive, we are in sin, and our worship of God is broken and ineffective. And Jesus taught that forgiveness was so important that he went on to explain that those who claim to be kingdom followers but refuse to forgive others will actually be excluded from the kingdom of God when Jesus Christ returns and will be punished with non-believers. Now, this does not mean if you've not forgiven one person that you've lost your salvation. That is not what he's talking about. What Jesus is saying is those who repeatedly and stubbornly refuse to forgive those who have wronged them over a lifetime do not exhibit a heart that has been renewed by the forgiveness of God and the inner working of the Holy Spirit. In other words, those who have been changed by salvation through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ 
forgive others. It's a mark of the believer. Forgiveness is a mark of the believer. Now, that doesn't mean that believers will never sin. It doesn't mean that believers will never struggle with holding a grudge when they should forgive. But what it does mean is that believers are marked by the attitude and the action of forgiveness. Those who never display forgiveness are not saved. That's what Jesus is literally getting at. Those who repeatedly refuse to forgive other people do not have a clean heart, do not have a heart that has genuinely repented before God. They are outside of the kingdom. Now that is really sobering language because what this does is it allows every person to measure themselves to see where they stand in terms of their heart before God. If one cannot honestly say that they genuinely, freely, and openly forgive their brother or sister on this earth, Jesus is saying they cannot say that they have been forgiven by him. And why is that? Because their repentance was not genuine. Because if it had been, he would have forgiven them of their sins and given them the gift of the Holy Spirit, which would have empowered their heart to forgive those around them. So I encourage you, look at your own heart and ask yourself this question. Do I freely forgive those who sin against me, or do I need to go before the Lord and repent genuinely so that I will be able to forgive others? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.